Well, here are some great words to start a sermon with. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. So I got a, a real surprise um, a little while ago when I sat down to plot out or chart out this Advent season's preaching. I, at first glance, I noticed with, um, with great joy that our Isaiah, our Old Testament readings would be from Isaiah. Uh, from chapters 40 on, where Isaiah, and at the same time that he announces the exile that Israel will be going into, offers comfort and hope and promise of the Messiah's coming. And so I just figured we would be starting with Isaiah 40 at the beginning of that chunk of readings. Comfort, comfort you, my people. And then we would be going on to prophecies of the Messiah and the Spirit's coming. But then I took a closer look, and I noticed that we don't do comfort, comfort, you my people, until next week. Where we start this week is, tear open the heavens and come down. The place is messed up, and we need your help. So that's where we start. God, tear open the heavens. We're messed up. The world is messed up. Please do something to fix this. And I found myself thinking, well, about, well, stuff in me and stuff in the culture and, like, where do we even begin? And I don't even know how to explain it, but I found myself, I found myself thinking back to not too long ago at the funeral of Hugh Hefner the founder of Playboy magazine. And I remember at the time thinking of the, the tragic heritage. The, I, I found myself at the time thinking about his death and, and burial and the, all that was going around it. What, what, a, what a metaphor for a pop culture in which the lewd and lascivious leer had become cool, and women had become objects to be used instead of persons to be honored. About guys learning to trespass and not respect the no. A culture in which words that are supposed to endear and honor become power plays of manipulation and and of demeaning, a culture in which touch that's supposed to become holy becomes violation. And then I know that there's no causal relationship, but maybe there's a spiritual relationship because it's not long after that that all this stuff comes out about people, usually women, but also boys and young men who are being used. I found myself thinking, as I read Isaiah 64, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, you set certain things in motion and, and eventually it's going to out. A dam has broken. A day of reckoning has come. 
and many have said, enough. Hashtag me too. And sadly, hashtag church too. As we go into Advent, we're all invited in the first place to acknowledge the utter brokenness of the world around us and the world within. And I don't know where that brokenness hits you. Is it death and disease? 2017, for me pastorally, will be bracketed by two funerals. We buried, we buried Barbara Keene, the daughter, in January. And we will bury the mother, Mabel Sturgis, next week. December 15th, by the way, Friday at 11 o'clock. They both lived long, lovely, Christ-filled, hope-filled lives. Mabel Sturgis lived to be 106 years old, and that's wonderful and grand and glorious, and we will be celebrating that life together, and we will continue to celebrate their lives through uh, Barbara's Bakery and Mabel's Table. But you know what? In the biblical world, 106 is young. We weren't made to die. We were just made to live forever. Tear open the heavens and come down and fix this. Uh, and I don't, I, you know, for the longest time, my body was on my side, but it's no longer there. The older you get, the more you realize that certain capacities are not coming back. I'm reminded of that every day on the treadmill when I'm running next to some 20-something. Or watching a relationship just unravel. Or watching someone's dear, tender life being sucked out of them by an addiction. Where does the brokenness of it all hit you? Acknowledge in the first place the utter brokenness. But then secondly, Isaiah invites us to call on God to fix the mess. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Fix it. Now, in a previous life, long, long ago, I didn't drive as carefully as I do now. And I had three back-to-back-to-back driving infractions. And they got me into traffic school. And I remember as vividly as it, though it happened yesterday, because I, I need to borrow on its capital often, the instructor saying, okay, now that you good people are going to obey the traffic laws, when that jerk comes up behind you on the interstate or the turnpike and wants to go 90 miles an hour and just run over you, don't think about strategies of revenge and, think, and how you can slow them down. Just graciously move over, wave to them as they go by, and then when you go past them, when they've been pulled over and the blue light is flashing, then you can go, yes! <laughs> so that's what I really try to think about and do when that happens. And Isaiah 
knowing full well, he's not a perfect driver, knowing that, knowing that he is as messed up as everybody else, yet knowing that his people are going to be grieving in exile, knowing that their being in exile in the long run is counter to God's redemptive purposes for them and for the world. He says it's okay to call out to God, tear open the heavens, come down, pull us out of exile, and let's get the plan of redemption back on the road. So first, in Advent, acknowledge the utter brokenness of you and me and the world around us. Secondly, call upon the Lord to come down and fix it. But third, let us remember, we only go into Advent because there's Christmas. Remember that God did tear open the heavens and come down. As one of the classical prophets, Isaiah speaks at two levels. One, he speaks of what's about to happen, and he speaks about what's going to happen in the long run. And in the long run, Messiah is going to come, and he is going to bear the Spirit, and he's going to bring justice and healing and hope. And our Lord Jesus has done that. God did tear open the heavens and come down. Born into our sinfulness, purity walked among us. Our Easter exalted sums it up in one magnificent phrase. He restores innocence to the fallen. And it's all over Jesus' ministry. He asks the shamed woman of Samaria for a drink of water. And the conversation becomes his offer to become her living water. In Luke 7, from the woman who had been selling her body, Jesus accepts the washing of his feet with her tears and her hair and says that her great love shows her great forgiveness. Back in John's Gospel, Jesus demisses the accusers of the woman caught in the very act of adultery with the scornful, well, let him who is without sin cast the first stone and sends her along with a word of instruction to change, but with no condemnation. And then he stretches out his arms on a cross and takes into himself all their shame and guilt. All the shame and guilt of everybody who has violated or been violated. Everyone who has sinned and been sinned against. All of us who know and feel ourselves to be dirty, worthy of being cast on the discard pile. The simple truth is that Jesus Christ came in the body to redeem these bodies and to transform them. And by the fact of his divine touch, to redeem touch itself, which is why in a day, listen carefully, in a day as morally 
compromised and morally corrupt as our own, the apostles Peter and Paul called upon believers when they gathered to redeem touch and to offer one another a holy kiss or a kiss of love. In a room of this size, I just know that there have been people on both ends of a wrong kind of touch that is not holy. I pray forgiveness. I pray repentance. I pray redemption of touch. And I pray that you and I, when we pass the peace of Christ, whether it's through a handshake or a hand on the shoulder, just a look in the eye, whether it's a hug or a kiss, can know that we have been kissed and embraced by God's two strong arms. We have been held by God's two strong arms, His Son and the Holy Spirit, and brought into the, the embrace of His love. And we're here to remind one another of the holiness and the safetyness, the safety of that place. And fourth, first, acknowledge the mess. Two, call out to him in Advent to fix it. Three, know that he has already taken the field to fix it. But then fourth, going to Mark's gospel, stay awake because he's not done yet. In Mark's gospel, Jesus also speaks like a classical prophet, speaking to the near term and the far term. And it would take too long to really unpack this, but he speaks at two levels. In verses 29 and 30, in the middle of the passage, he refers to these things, things that he said to prepare his followers to recognize God's hand when the Roman armies show up to destroy Jerusalem and to destroy the temple. God's about to get rid of the anachronism of an earthly city of God and an earthly temple because now the, city's in Jer the city of the true Jerusalem is in heaven, the true temple is in heaven, and God's ready to get rid of the present administration to make that clear. But on the outside of the passage, in verses 24 and 32, he uses different language and he speaks of that hour and those times talking about the very end of time when there will be a finally settling of all accounts. And that's what we're leaning to, leaning into in Advent as well. So, as to the coming Roman conquest of Jerusalem and, and Palestine, Jesus says, when you see these signs, when you see the army show up, head for the hills. As to the other things, the things at the very end, he says, well, even he doesn't know when that is. And all that we need to know is one thing, stay awake. He says it five times. Stay awake, be on guard, that's it, period. That's the only chart that you need. Sleepfulness, grogginess, not being able to stay awake is, I think, a metaphor during this time for growing dull 
to what's going on around you. You know that horrible feeling when you're driving in the afternoon on the turnpike or the interstate and all you can think about is a nap? Or you're getting to what you hope is close to the end of a sermon and all you can think about is, will he never stop so that I can go to sleep? Or, <laughs> well, sometimes you just have to pull off the road and take a nap. Sometimes you have to pull off the road, get some coffee. But the point is you need to be alert. And the worst thing that you and I can do is be dull to the glory of the symbols of what goes on here. The symbols here from the passing of the peace to kneeling at prayer or standing at prayer to hands stretched out for the bread and the wine are powerful means to connect us to the reality that he has torn open the heavens and he will tear them open again. In Advent, reconnect with the power of what those symbols say and also for all the stuff that's going on in the world around us, maybe little triggers to tune us back in to the hurt and the needs and the ways that we can respond. It could be really simple stuff. It could be like for English speakers like me, maybe it's signing up for a Spanish class to be more hospitable to people from Puerto Rico who are going to be moving here and this becoming their home. Maybe it's, maybe it's saying hello to a neighbor who's been invisible and then praying for them and Maybe trying to find a way to talk to them about Jesus. Maybe it's doing idignity for, idignity for a day or volunteering for a compassion corner or signing up for jobs partnership or maybe just instead of passing the homeless person say, hi, God bless you. I don't have any money, but I'd love to know more about your story. Maybe it's saying to somebody, I'm really sorry I hurt you. And there are the crazies on the road. Maybe instead of wishing you had a rocket launcher to blow them up. Maybe it's like deciding to pray for them. Not just that they'll get pulled over. Maybe it's praying for the person whose political bumper sticker makes you angrier or more cynical about the present political climate. Maybe it's writing a congressman instead of fuming at your screen. Maybe it's deciding that every person that you meet is a window into God's heart and that you will speak words only of kindness and peace and that every touch will be an offer of His grace and nothing other than that. So, as we go into Advent, could I invite you with me? Acknowledge the utter brokenness. Let's call on God to fix the mess. Remembering that God has already torn open the heavens and come down. And may we stay awake, because He's not done yet. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.